This episode contains mentions of depression. If you or anyone you know is struggling with their mental health, please get in contact with Beyond Blue on 1300 or at beyondblue.org.au. Today, we're going to let our loose thoughts steep in our loose leaf. Welcome back to the Nib Section, the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. I'm Diana Dyer, producer-in-chief. With me on the line is my friend of a long time, but this is our first actual online conversation where I get to hear her voice. Um, This is Laura. Thank you, Laura, for agreeing to be on the Nib Section. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And yeah, it's really, I'm really excited also to hear your voice and to finally chat about Fountain Pens. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, because um, so Laura have known each other online for many years, but I only discovered that she was heavily into fountain pens, I think, four or five years ago. Mm. But before we get into that, uh, Laura, did you want to just introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Laura or um, Inksy on Twitter. And I'm what, how do you say a fountain pen aficionada or uh, obsessed with uh, with fountain pens. I work in uh, in research. I'm a, uh, I hold a, a PhD in sociology and uh, currently work in education and and research. Yeah, I mean I nerd out to many things, mostly games, TV shows, but also and in particular fountain pens. So yeah, <laughs> that's me and books. <laughs> and I'm from Austria. Yeah, you came back from Berlin a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was intense and it was really good to get away. Berlin is an amazing city full of uh, contradictions and full of good food, full of uh, full of life, which is always nice for a now small town person like me. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. So where are you living now? Uh, in Linz, which is a, well, it's basically it's the, the, the train stop between uh, Salzburg and Vienna, if you're if you go by tourist orientation points, it's a, a city of about two in, with about 200,000 inhabitants, so kind of small. This is strange because um, we've known each other online for at least seven years, probably more, but yeah. this is the first time I've heard your voice. So this is it'll take yeah. a little bit of getting used to. <laughs> well, I, I heard your voice on the nib section, of course, but yeah, we've been uh, around in the same in the same circles for for a while since. Was it live journal days? It must be live uh, journal. Dream with, yeah, yeah, something like that. So it's so good to talk to you. Finally. Yeah, I know. Thank you for agreeing. It's also just an opportunity to chat about certain things that we don't really get the opportunity to talk very much about on the podcast. You said earlier that in Austria you're taught to use fountain pens. Is that true? That's true. Um, we we use them. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure about the uh, the extent of uh, usage in in primary schools right now, uh, like currently. But back when I was in in school, many 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 years ago, we were taught as soon as we started uh, learning cursive or studying cursive, we were taught to use and to switch over to fountain pens. The reasoning is that you are well. It's it's kind of it's special. It's mm-hmm. the grown up language, <laughs> grown up handwriting or print, so to say. And it also makes you more careful in your movements and in your strokes because you can smear, you can bend the nib. Uh, so you are taught to be like, 
this is a special writing instrument and this is you have to be careful with it and you have to write slowly which is in the beginning is is kind of important so just walking around what would you say would be the average percentage of people who still use fountain pens is it a commonplace thing it's quite uh, it's quite common commonplace in uh, in any kind of I think in any kind of office job where you still jot down things it might you might run into one in three one in four people who still use a fountain pen and I I felt back when I was in academia it was like one in two people oh wow <laughs> who still had one who had a fountain pen at their desk either to sign things or to just use not really like obsessed but everyone like either basically had a pelican and a lami uh-huh. or uh, at one point in their lives and, and many, many people still have, yeah. Among Austrians then, is your level of obsession about fountain pens unusual or, you know, yeah. do you just feel... Yeah. It's still, unu- it's still, <laughs> it's still unusual. unusual. It's still unusual. I mean, I have some friends, but I met them all via online uh, community, some Austrian friends who, who also are collectors or, mm-hmm. or, or who consider fountain pens a hobby, but I haven't like met someone out in the wild who would be like, who would have a pen roll with 10 pens, which is what I run around with on a, on a daily basis. So uh, it's still unusual. It's more, it's more like a tool. Yeah. And also uh, um, at graduation, we use fountain pens are used uh, for as a I don't know, as a graduation gift, as some kind of rite of passage thing. Now you're grown up, you get a grown up pen, which is tradition in my family and my extended family, for for instance. Yeah, it's like the difference between owning a pair of cufflinks and being really, really into fashion, I guess. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That's a good way to put, put it. I've seen some of your collection. Do you call it a collection or do you just call them your pens? Mostly my pens. The only thing I would say, I, I thought about that when we uh, when I agreed to um, to come chat chat with you on the podcast, if I really would see myself as a as a collector or not. And I mean, the only brand where, where I'd say I'd really have a collector's bug is Omas. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, and here is the Ojivas in particular. Mm-hmm. There, I, I, I would want to to complete the recent runs, the Alba, the and the cocktails. Yeah, I'm missing like one uh, of each. Oh, which ones? Uh, the purple one uh, from the Albas and the the yellow one from the from the cocktails because I gave that as a present to a good friend. And I kind of want to replace it. So <laughs> I certainly associate you with your Omas Ojivas. When I first realized from Twitter that you used fountain pens, and this was back in 2015, I think, when I was first starting to realize that there was a fountain pen network online, that was the pen that really grabbed my attention because... In Australia, it's very unusual, first of all, to see Omas. And second, um, I think there's only two or at most two stockists of uh, Omas in Sydney. So it it was incredibly Mm. exotic to my eyes. And um, when I saw your Ojiva Albers, especially the green, the the teal, it's so beautiful. Yeah, so lovely, aren't they? Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And by that time, they were already almost (laughs) impossible to find. Oh, well, I shouldn't. I got two. I have two of these because I'm a teal person. <laughs> it's so difficult because Omas. We had one stockist in Austria, but I usually I I just ordered them online. Like I saw them. I didn't see uh, when I first discovered Omas. I hadn't seen one in person. I just thought, okay, yes, I I 
I need this one mm-hmm. <laughs> and six more of them. So like the, the most common brands in Austria, of course, are Pelican and, and Lamy and maybe for the fancier, the fancier stuff is Mont Blanc. Faber-Castell is kind of, uh, yeah, well, it's there. Uh, <laughs> but like school pens are, are Lamy and Safari. Alami and, and Pelican. So I only discovered brands or the wider fountain pen world because uh, I never had any any vested interest in looking further because I was so happy with my Pelicans. I, I only started really getting into Italian brands and, and looking around and also um, Japanese uh, pens, I don't know, six years ago, something like this, five, six years ago. So uh, for me, I was really con- uh, content in that kind of small daily use tool sandbox but it didn't really they didn't register as a, a, a hobby back then that makes sense if if lamy and pelican are the brands that are most widely available i assume they're just you know in in every department store and probably high-end stationery stores pretty much and mont blanc they are everywhere but <laughs> maybe not accessible to students not really. Coming back to this theme of, of graduation and rite of passage, I I received my, my first Mont Blanc when I finished, uh, completed my first master's mm-hmm. and another one when I uh, completed my PhD. So these are the only Mont Blancs I have, but it's kind of, uh, it was clear that I would get a Mont Blanc. Like this is, it, it is the gift for finishing things in my family. And which Mont Blanc was that? The 146, um, like one is the, the classic piston piston filler, and the other one is the one, uh, the smaller one. Is it the 142? The the cartridge, uh, just regular model models. Like the the 146 is uh, is a rose gold. Um, I mean they they have rose gold in the in the regular lineup right now, I think. But back then it was a a special edition for an anniversary. Oh, I have I have that exact same pen. And while we're on this topic, what are you writing with today? Uh, probably, because I've got a lot of meetings later on in the day, um, my Aurora Optima, um, the bla- black resin fine nib with the silver trimmings and with one of the one of the Sailor Studio teals, one of the paler teals. I can't, I can't really tell which one. This is what's so funny, because I, I think... I discovered your collection or your taste in fountain pens at such an early stage, at such a formative stage of my own collecting that we have a lot of pens in common. So I, I also have an Aurora Optima with the black, um, the black resin and the rhodium trim. Uh. And what I'm using today is my uh, Mont Blanc 146 90th oh, anniversary okay. with the rose trim. <laughs> Oh, nice. uh, it has the EF nib, um, and it's oh, inked well. With... That's too oh, well. This is where we where we, where we differ. So <laughs> EF nibs. Oh, no, I'm I'm planning to get an an Optima EF at some point. Big step. Big step. Not not your usual no, type of choice. No, no, not at all. I'm actually very fond of the Aurora EFs. They're very fine for even an Italian nib. Oh, nice. Very unusual. But nice, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you specifically because, as you said, everyone, well, a lot of people in Austria are used to using fountain pens in their daily life. But I think the way you use them and the 
enjoyment, um, almost essential enjoyment, I guess, that you get out of using them is unusual. Um, what is it that you like so much about using a fountain pen? Well, there's two components to this, I guess. One is I'm a, um, I'm a visual learner, so that means I have to, I just remember things and structure things better when I write them down once or summarize them once more for myself. So this has been the case since school days. So like taking notes and, and summarizing and writing uh, things by hand uh, for me is, is a very integral part of my, of my process, how I think, how I work, how I um, um, get things done. And the second thing is I really, I really enjoy, I, well, I'm, I'm, I live with, I've been living with depression for um, maybe a decade maybe longer uh, like diagnosed I'd say about 15 years now and and I just discovered early on that that fountain writing with uh, a good pen on good paper is is incredibly soothing to me it helps me uh, get in an almost into a meditative state on one uh, uh, on the one hand to just write random words or a stream of consciousness <laughs> Uh, or just sometimes uh, doodle. Mm-hmm. Um, this is for me. This is a part of of, of self care and a, a really important one, um, which of course doesn't uh, justify like outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not. It's not a. Uh, I sometimes I have to say I take it as a oh, well. Yes, I'm I'm depressed and this is helping me. So I get to get, have this pen. <laughs> it's a reward. Yeah, uh, can, I can I can let that slide sometimes, but <laughs> but not always. Uh, but yeah, in in general, pens that that bring me joy uh, or, or pens I, I like to write with not not only have like this this functional um, uh, purely functional purpose, but also uh, they they are tools of of self care. Yeah, I do, I'm not diagnosed with depression, but I I have just in the last couple of years um, being seeing um, a therapist and to deal with um, depressive episodes. And certainly I find I'm easily, let's say, obsessive about things and fountain pens are one of the things I'm obsessive about. Well, there are worse things, you know. (laughs) Exactly. And um, I was really inspired to reach out to talk to you about this because um a couple of weekends ago um around easter actually i was having one of those bad episodes um one of the first ones this year and it just made it impossible for me to to think anything creatively and um I was doing what you do, I think, um, regularly, which is just write nonsense. Mm. Um, Just even the action of the repetitive action of writing something out is somehow helpful. It calms your brain. It's it's incredibly soothing and it's meditative, like you said. And I I don't think this is – I'm not saying that this is the same thing for everyone, but I think a lot of people – get that same feedback um that tactile feeling out of it and that's part mm-hmm. of what we enjoy about it it's not just um that it gives us pleasure but also because it is it is for our self-care it's part of how um, we keep ourselves well and functional 
Mm. And it also, um, it gives you, especially when you're um, speaking from my, uh, from my own experience and everyone's mileage and, and, and baggage and uh, varies, is, varies here, of course, but I get, I get to deal a lot with um, uh, intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. and some spirally um, and circular uh, thoughts and, and fountain pens while still while calming still keeps you uh, keeps you focus uh, writing stuff down just even if it, even if it's nonsense even yeah. I mean I have pages that just say la 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 whatever uh, or, or pages where where like um with words where like the 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 letters used because you can can swoop it also gives you something to focus on um exactly because you you, you still need some kind of brain power yeah well still not being exhausting which um like being creatively active you you need some kind of uh you need some kind of brain power or some kind of or part of your brain that is not foggy and cloudy which for me often is not the case when I'm uh, when I'm falling or uh, steering towards um, well the the abyss so to say. Uh, so this is it's kind of a good middle way. Yeah, and sometimes uh, the writing turns into something more more creative. That's fine. If it's not, then you know it's uh, then it's just a nice calming experience. So when I'm in a bad mental state I often either I write or I go downstairs to my piano and I play something that I'm really Mm. familiar with and that's loud and that's Mm -hmm. incredibly it it diffuses my energy it focuses my mind on something else um, and that's also incredibly helpful but um, writing is the less you know, physically strenuous and yeah. <laughs> yes, and I can do it in the middle of the night if I just wake up and I can't sleep. Um, instead of inter, you know, it's not the equivalent of um, waking up all your neighbors um, and disrupting everything. So it's it, yeah, it's it's incredibly personal but um, helpful in that way. Do you find that? Um, do you take coffee notes every day? Hashtag coffee notes. <laughs> uh, I started. Um well, I do, and now I started now being back on Twitter. I started documenting uh, them, and I'm trying to make it a ritual to really have this because, I mean, there's there's always a lot going on, but work um, currently and for for the past few months has been a lot, so it's kind of crafting that little little space, um, like have that one one cup of coffee uh, a day that is truly. That is truly mine, where I can either ramble or think or list things that I want to do that that give me kind of a this is like coffee notes. They are a bit of a preventive act, if you if you will. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of list uh, listing or just integrating also this this rambly writing um, in a state where I'm not uh, uh, where I'm not even remotely. Um, um, close to a depressive episode, just to have. I mean, this, I don't want to to uh, sound as if I'm overanalyzing because there's a lot of people who sit down over coffee and just write down their page a day. Mm-hmm. But for me, this is all uh, in 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 my context. For me, this is this is just. Um, it's unstructured. It's unstructured, and it's carving that that one space or that one uh, that one time and 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 place a day at uh, at work where i say okay 
uh, this is just for me and it's okay to take those 10 minutes for me and uh, just, well, just think wherever it can be positive, can be negative. Having rituals and keeping yourself to yes. them in itself, I find helpful um, when yeah. you don't feel like doing anything. Yeah, and it's also um, a bit, I mean, I used to, to keep a, a diary, mm-hmm. um, like a, a, a journal, but stopped sometime this year because it was... Uh, because I was looking for a new format. When I flipped through this, uh, my, my journal of last year, it was, well, yes, I'm depressed and life is so awful and I have to work hard and focus, blah, 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 get out of the. So it was a lot of, uh, like, I had a, I had the feeling that, that keeping a, a journal in the form that I did would, would just uh, reinforce mm-hmm. reinforce some some aspects of my depression because I was... I was repeating and and writing down and and going um, coming back to what I was saying earlier that I um, like this visual thinker. I reinforce things by writing them down. So maybe um, so that that just this this kind of accounting for my day didn't really work for me. Um, and so I'm I'm maybe also looking for a, for a new kind of of format of daily writing that still has some kind of reflection but doesn't necessarily reinforce um, well. <sighs> Uh, uh, all the uh, um, depressive stuff mm-hmm. my my mind is hurling at me you know so that's that's kind of the story behind the coffee notes <laughs> I find myself in a similar situation where I also feel the impulse to write something every day because I like the structure of it and to take that yeah. moment um, out of every day to spend um, on myself but also I I I find my day just completely, um, just very uninteresting to write about yeah. and my own thoughts uninteresting. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, like, like you, yeah. I've tried these different formats. Um, I've tried, I, and I'm still keeping a commonplace book where I tried to keep um, mm-hmm. a store interesting quotes and passages that I've come across. And recently I started keeping a separate journal in which specifically to reflect on art that I'm responding to. So it's, it's a place where in my response oh, to okay. artworks, I can, um, you know, reflect on myself, but it's focused on something that is outside of myself. So it's getting out of, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. my regular self-reflection because I'm just too self-conscious and I'm a little bit too self-reflexive. So this, in the last week, I've been reading a book of essays um, on random topics in art and I just try to read an essay a day and I reflect quickly on it. Because like, oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm no longer in academia, so I don't get the opportunity to do very much reading. Um, and I kind of miss that. So this is an opportunity for me to do that kind of deep reading and to reflect on it in a quick, mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. short format. So, um, yeah, that's maybe let's see how long I keep doing that. Maybe not very long at all. No, it sounds really uh, um, nice and engaging. But I, I, uh, I know myself at the end of the day and I'm just I'm just exhausted yes i'm just i have no i have zero energy and uh, <laughs> uh so this is also a reason why i try to to do my writing during the day when i when i find a moment because once i'm home i don't, I don't know i have to scrape myself together to walk war, walk my beloved dog <laughs> and then uh i'm just done for the day yeah you, i notice you you enjoy doing 
doodles? Do you like drawing? Uh, I always wanted to uh, to to draw. Uh, I'm absolutely shit at it, but I'm. Um, it's it's also an, an energy thing. Like I started following um, Le Steel and the the urban sketches, mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, visual diary keeping amazing. I just don't. I uh, and I, I actually started disengaging with that uh, community again, not because of the community, but because of me. Because I'm, I just felt like inadequate. I mm. don't have. It's really, it's a, uh, I mean, I, I resisted talking um, about myself with, uh, like, with this um, this image of spoons, but I think I'm finally at the point where I can say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a spoonie and I have, um, I, I, and like 90% of the days I'm just mm-hmm. out of spoons by the time I get out of work. So I doodle, I doodle some, um, some patterns or just some, some flowers or, or something small on uh, but I don't I don't actually draw uh, and I don't sketch currently I still want to once my energy situation <laughs> magically improves but so I don't I don't even draw most of the time um, and I don't even doodle what I usually do is just write Mont Blanc Meisterstück repeatedly line after line after line <laughs> because I find the M's and um the rhythm mm. of it incredibly calming, um, and the word minimum in itself is incredibly calming. Minimum, right? uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> just a single continuous line. In calligraphy and, cur- and learning cursive, it's one of the like your anchor words where you you start uh, because you have to be like uh, um, really regular. You see any kind of irregularity, so yeah, minimum is nice. I, I really like. Descenders, so I anything that has a lot of F's or G's because you can swoop down a couple of lines. Um, I'm not very good at that. I oh, you have you have gorgeous hand uh, gorgeous handwriting. Oh no, I really like oh, it. Oh. Oh. Uh, my handwriting oh. it doesn't normally look like that. So if I'm in the middle of the meeting, it oh. doesn't. Yeah, that's not my actual handwriting. <laughs> well. It is, just not always. <laughs> to get off this topic a little bit, there is something that I've always been meaning to ask you about. It might feel like a drastic swerve, but um, I feel like I kind of have to ask you because you're the only person I know who has multiple conids. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me about the conid PR disaster. but <laughs> Is it okay for me to ask you about the conid PR disaster? <laughs> Oh, I'm still salty about that. So, um, and I'm, um, I haven't bought a pen from them s- since. I mean, I will again eventually, but at the moment, I'm still salty. Uh, yeah, but what, <laughs> what do you want to ask about the uh, 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 conids? Why I have them? You, I think, were one of the early adopters. Your conids are from at least, you know, five, five, six years ago, I believe. No, less. Two years less, a lot ah, less. Two, two years. So okay. I'm not. I'm really not that early an adopter. I see. Uh, but you have conids that you are able to have custom nibs into. Yeah. So you don't have conid nibs. You have like omas and omas nibs specifically. Yes. Or pelican yes. nibs. I have. Um, well, I have one um, conid uh, 
nib in one of them. But I have an, an Omos, um, then um, Franklin Christoph um, Flex SIG, and the Pelican M800 in there. And like that's one of the things I like about uh, Conids, first of all, is, is the look. The fact that they are bulk fillers and they are not back heavy. I have the problem with like piston fillers with all of the the larger pelicans that I think they are too too back heavy and imbalanced for my tiny hands. And I really like the grip section. And I mean their their nibs are good, but I just have some that are so much better <laughs> to put in there. Like I really I really started looking into. Um, into nip customizations for for conids when when omas went down because while I really I okay I adore omas uh, omas pens as a as a whole but I really 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 like their nibs and not only the the semi flex ones but um, their nibs in general I bought a bunch of nibs and then uh, uh, of omas nibs and then was looking for homes yeah. <laughs> for them. And uh, I just stuck one on one of my conids, and it worked. So that's uh, that's for me is a is a major plus that the the feeds they they really work well with all the nibs that I've tried to put in there. So if I were to source a Mont Blanc, um, say one four six or one four nine nib, what would be the process of me getting that fitted into a conid? Do I just send them the nib and? Are they still able to take customizations like that? You'd have to you'd, you'd have to write them an uh, an email. I think what they do. Uh, I mean, I I just stuck them in. I send it down some of the feeds for uh, especially for for the almost milord because the, ah. they are a little smaller than um, the box okay. six nibs. So you need some to take something off. Um, take a little uh, at the at the tip of the feed, but in general, I, in general, I just stuck them in. Okay, okay, it's a lot easier than I thought. Fearless with I'm, your names. I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, I, I'm not a. I'm not a tinkerer. I'm like I. am I, I just gave it a try and it, and it worked. And I was surprised how well it worked with um, like these these three nibs. Uh, Oh, the, uh, yeah, these three nibs I have in there. I haven't tried any more. Um, so, but I know people. Uh, there, there's a there's a lot of people around who put the well, a lot. There are people around who who have Mont Blanc nibs in their conids. And there's also um, this um, what's he called the the um, guy from Flexnip Factory, who does custom feeds. And he, for instance, he makes. Um, feeds for to put platinum nibs into conids and i'm not sure what if montblanc does montblanc use um bock as a base or are they completely custom what i'm saying is you can get a, a special feed if you need one uh i'm not sure if you need one okay um i'm very tempted now to to maybe get a conid just to put a montblanc nib into <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but I'm not like, like hugely motivated because, like I said, um, I have issues with with Conid and their marketing. Um, thank you, Laura. <laughs> thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Thank you for talking to me and sharing your story. It was a pleasure. And we can find you on Instagram as at InkP. Yes. And also on uh, Twitter as at Vientacore. Yes. How is that spelled? 
Viento Core ist um, V-I-E-N-T-O-C-O-R-R and an E. Well, that's where you can find Laura online, uh, where she shares images of her pets, of her fountain pens, of her doodles, and also I think you can have incredibly interesting conversations with her about her work. Um, thank you so much. I loved having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Stay listening after the credits for an After Dark conversation with Laura, recorded two weeks later. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nip Section Facebook page or at the Nip Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nip Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producer this episode was Diana Dye. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dye. Special guest was Laura. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. It's been two weeks, yeah. pretty much. Um, I've been to China and back, stupidly busy 10 days. Oh, wow. But in that time, I got to protest my rotafod. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because it, it went to all my meetings with me and it traveled really well. And I managed not to gouge myself with any of the clips which was surprising. That's always a plus, yeah. Yeah, because when I first got it, that was my main concern. And you told me that you didn't have an issue with it, so I trusted that. And um, apart from a few scratches to my desk, which it will survive, um, no, it's it's held up really well, and I really love the colours of it. Do you get the scratches because you've got the backs, the clips exposed? or That's exactly. I have, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I got that one, the ST17, which I'm not fond of. I might sell it to someone else in Sydney. Oh. Um, I'm gonna tomorrow. We're having a Sydney, like a pen meet thing. So I'm gonna bring them, and hopefully, some it catches someone's eye, and I can offload it. Because in the meantime, I got this one. Oh, cool! It's a full clip. Yeah, My, which is uh, interesting. Mine is still lost in the mail, uh, but <laughs> you asked for a full clip as well. Yeah, I have pretty much, I think, the same configuration, four clips, the yeah. lighter leather. Um, I, I didn't go with the turquoise. You said you went with the turquoise. I did go with the turquoise. I can't wait to see the turquoise. Because I, I think, I thought, I recollected so strongly, I had the mental image of clicking the turquoise. And yet, I must have wavered at the last second and, you know, selected something safe like cement. Which mm -hmm. I don't like very much. Um, but I do like the four clips because you can put a lot of stuff in it. Right now it's mm -hmm. got two very thick notebooks in it. Um, anyway, very happy with those. <laughs> cool, cool. To my surprise. Now I've been waiting for, uh, I mean, the, the package with my four clip is lost in the mail, so they have to reclaim it and, you know, file the thing and then remake it or something 
it, well, it, it, it got lost in the mail between Germany and Austria. Yes. So, <laughs> so it's not just Ozpost that is really pretty dumb sometimes. Uh, it's, it's like two really um, formalistic bureaucracies can manage to get lose a package in like I think I'm like 600 kilometers away from where these are made theoretically I could like drive there and pick it up do they have they... A, like a physical store no. in no no no, no. Ah. they have uh, retailers yeah uh, but the retailers have very limited selections yeah. of yeah they just get what whatever they uh, like the surplus whatever they can give away um Retailers also can order specific models. They just get a contingent. Right. Because when I was a bit um, impatient for the the light brown and turquoise, that's when I got this one from like an American retailer because it was one of the standard models, the ST17. Um, and I realized that there was also an Australian retailer that held it, but not in any of the interesting colors. So... Uh, uh- Get um, like the um, in the ST what seventeen? I think this is called the ST seventeen. The the grey. Which color did you get in on the inside on it's, the flap? I think it's the same. It's the only color that it comes in. It's like it's the cement. I think. Yeah, the cement suede. Three clips. Okay. I, I would like to see someone like selling these at the Sydney Pen Show. Mm-hmm. I actually can't remember what we were talking about at the end of last conversation. Uh, but um, I do remember you, you saying that you were looking for a way of writing regularly, but in a very sort of unstressful and undemanding, yeah. but um, semi-structured way. Mm-hmm. And um, I remembered something that um, another online friend of mine Fatima, who goes way back um, also to Live Journal, um, oh, she's, she's in the US, and she was right. She was showing me these notebooks that she writes in every morning based on these prompts. Let me get the book. Based on these prompts by from this book. Have you ever heard oh, of it? Okay. Yeah, I know this one. I didn't. So I got the book because I was curious. And it's really just like 336 daily passages about creativity. But what really makes me a little adverse to giving it a go is like the whole spiritual dimension, which kind of puts mm-hmm. me off. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you, yes. it feels a bit like um, signing <laughs> in for a cult to me to someone who's Unlock very very inner. unreligious mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'd love to find something like this which was more in line with my you know underlying belief system hmm. that would be helpful i haven't really found anything like this and i also i ah, daily oh, prompts for is, listeners is hard. for <laughs> listeners what i'm holding is um a very popular self-help book called the artist's way Every day, a year of creative living by Julia Julia Cameron, um, who I think was an author who was suffering from addiction or possibly substance abuse, and she wrote this book decades ago, and it's very very popular. 
if I was more like creatively structured, which a thing which would be handy. I'm I'm just looking looking it up on Twitter. There's the the random plot generator. It's a random story prompt. It comes uh, it hails from like also life journal days. You have got um, things like uh, wait I can't find a good one. Why why do you do this to me? Um, like a, a regretful uh, a regretful telepath has the power to change the world. Like you know those um, <laughs> kind like, of like Charles uh, Xavier. Uh-huh. <laughs> Resisting fate breaks the case wide open. Oh, this requires too much thinking. Yeah, it does. It does. That, I, like, I, if, I, no, if I was looking no, for writing prompts, I would no, definitely not, use not that one. Use that. No. It's but not, on, not every uh, day. No. It's like, it's random story prompts on Twitter. You can find it. Recovering Junkie is not helped by a mortal, be- a mortal meeting a god. By a mortal meeting a god. Like like so. Yeah. Maybe the junkie is the god. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. Dragged into further depths of depravity by the mortal. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching Good Omens? Uh, not yet. I'm kind of I'm pleasantly waiting, surprised. Hesitant. You are? Okay. I'm pleasantly surprised. I- so I want to reassure you. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I haven't heard mixed things, you know, like... Uh, uh, gay man is too much in love with his own with his own voice and writing and the dialogue being too literal but maybe that's part of the you know if you really love the book I think if you really love the book you'll be you'll really love it it does remind you of all the ways that it's aged and not Uh always badly um Uh And if the little things that annoy you in the book will annoy you in this as well. Okay. Well. Like how extraneous Pulsifer and Anathema same times feel <laughs> to the mm-hmm. plot. Mm-hmm. Like every, everyone except for Crowley and As feel um, really thin and not, not like flat. very well characterized. Flat. Yes, yeah. Yes. And... Um, but Madam Tracy is played by Miranda Richardson, who is so good. Oh. The kid actors are not that great, but they're <laughs> adequate. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't spend too much time with them, and like all the most of the actors are, are really really good, okay. uh, including who's the American guy from Mad Men? Um, no, like chisel jaw, handsome but in this like kind of intimidating way. Um, John Hamm. Donald Draper, John Hamm. Ah, yeah. Okay. That guy. He plays I'm, one of the angels. Uh huh. Very funny. Yeah. So, look look forward to that. It's only six hours. I watched it fast forward. <laughs> I watched um. Mm-hmm. I watched the Hot Zone, which is uh, it's about uh, it's a mini series about the um, Ebola, almost Ebola outbreak in in the U.S. Recent. Um, recent. Very recent, it, okay. based on the same book. The movie Outbreak was based on. Ah, but the but the movie was several years ago, right? The movie was several, yeah. Yeah, like at least ten, ten years. Yeah. Yeah, fifteen. So this is say. a recent TV 20s. series. This is a recent TV series. Okay. Just because. No, I I can't deal with. I, I'm not good with horror or um, 
like things with jump scares. Okay. Uh huh. Well, there's a lot of jumping monkeys. Monkeys jumping yeah, yeah, yeah. out of cages. And uh huh. Okay. So I can deal with it in concept. I don't want to see it in front of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, freaks me out. Um, we got onto pop culture, which means that um. One thing we never got up to, and which is a regular feature in a section in the show, is I ask you for a recommendation of something that doesn't have to be fountain pen related, but can Killing be. Killing Eve. <laughs> Sorry. Killing Eve. Sorry. <laughs> it, is, it is Killing Eve. It's yes. one of the best shows I've seen in years, and it's probably it, it's spectacular. It, it's I have no idea. Oh. Actually, I, I think you can watch it on SBS in Australia, but don't quote me on that. I, I think I recommended Killing Eve in season one as well, but season two is season two is season two just feeds my oh, my little my slashing heart. heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I don't I don't quite. I mean, I I'm I'm a bit annoyed by all the by some reviews that. Uh, well, like, oh no, season two is is not as good as season one because it makes the subtext text. And I'm like, no, thank goodness it did. <laughs> That's what sets it apart from like every other procedural. Or, or even Hannibal. Well, you can argue that the subtext kind of become quick. text in the final episode. Yes. But not as, but here it, uh, it it is become it, it is becoming text, or it became text like in the beginning of season one. Yes, and everyone knows about of, it. Everyone uh, at knows. The end of season one, yeah, everyone is like all their coworkers know. Like, I'm so gay for you. <laughs> everyone knows about it, and they and yeah. basically the whole season is structured around the fact that people are manipulating their feelings for each other. Each other, yeah. To to serve this other end. Um. Yeah, watch Killing Eve, guys. Yeah, and you have all these facets of female um, desire and obsession mm-hmm. that you actually that you don't get to to see and play and play out in that nuanced way very often. And the dialogue is like great. You're you're right. We don't get to see um, that kind of female female relationship in long form almost we never see that we see that almost never right um we've seen it in film sometimes but progressed over multiple seasons with all of the um character development that is normally owed only to male characters mm-hmm. um and I know people are feeling really kind of crushed by the season two finale. If you've seen oh, it, oh no, yet. that's just oh, <laughs> oh come on, oh, please. Have you seen it? <laughs> yes, yes. I, uh, I watched it before work, actually. <laughs> but I'm hopeful. You know, it, it it's so obviously a cliffhanger, and they're so obviously both going to be alive. Um, uh, yes, I don't know. It's the ultimate declaration of oh, I'm so disappointed in you. But I still want oh, yeah. you to live. Like, yeah, I, still I, want I can't to quite live. kill you. I, I can't quite kill you. <laughs> but yet, I need to show but... you how much you've hurt me. Yes. Yeah. You should be glad it was only a gun and not like a cutting knife to the stomach, which is super more painful, I imagine. Than... 
as I said, my headcanon is still that she shot her in order to make her seem like they weren't working together. But that's another story. I will be proven right in nine months, hopefully. Hopefully. Or maybe not. Uh, it, It might just be pure, you know disappointment like that's my my thing i can see where, where you're coming from uh-huh. I'm, I'm like okay it might be pure just um effect or or hurt or lashing out or it could like, be both yes could be that's why she leaves her there yeah yeah <laughs> maybe even start working for the 12 whoever the 12 are whatever it's not. <laughs> I'm not wholly in. Like, I understand that there needs to be a background conspiracy, but I, I hope. Thankfully, they didn't spend too much time on it. Yeah. So you don't have to think too much about it. I don't like shows that get too bogged down in the mythology because my brain just cannot. Yeah. My brain cannot care enough about it <laughs> in order to make sense. My recommendations is going to seem completely random after all of that. Um, it's winter here well it's the beginning of winter here it's June in Australia which means that I've been doing a lot of tidying up in the garden last few weeks and most of what I'm growing is either in the seedling stage or completely dead Um, but what is still alive is my garden thyme still smelling delicious Um, just severely trimmed back And while we're talking about, you know, what we do with ourselves, um, something I find really rewarding and also very useful if you're someone who likes to cook is to grow your own herbs. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I know a lot of people find mint um, and basil to be really easy to grow. Mint especially because it sprouts and it grows really quickly. Uh, It's like... Mint in my on my terrace. Mint is like a weed. I just I had one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so jealous because all my mint plants and I've owned at least ten die within the season. Something around something about the air or perhaps the soil around my house. Um, it just perpetuates the mint rust. So okay, I get okay. I get rust on one plant and it spreads to all the and others. It spreads, yeah. And then I try again the next season and they die. So this year I bought a rust resistant mint and let's let's see how that goes <laughs> i'm not i'm not <laughs> very hopeful yeah. but anyway, one herb yeah. the one herb i've grown that has lasted um i think at least four years now is my thyme um i have at least five different varieties of thyme some of which are edible and some of which just produce really lovely flowers um but i love the smell of it um i love how easy it is to tend you just keep chopping bits of it and every four, you basically trim it back to this tiny little mound. And it always comes back. It's virtually unkillable. You don't need to water it too much. I barely fertilize it. And it tastes delicious. And I make thyme honey out of it when I have produced oh, wow. too much thyme. So grow your own. It's a win. It's a win. win. It's always a win-win. <laughs> I can just... I can just com- and I- like, I don't have anything very elaborate, like Cannibal's indoor herb garden. I wish oh, well. I had a vertical. Yeah, <laughs> I would like mm. a vertical herb garden in my house, but I think it would be too much effort. Mm, I would have. It wouldn't survive my cat, even if it did muster up the energy. to. <laughs> well, the energy and then figuring out the water requirements and the light requirements of 
each individual plaid is no, it's too exhausting. Um, Hannibal likes that type of high maintenance thing. I don't. Let me just be contented with my time. And oregano is another easy one if if you don't like to spend too much time, um, you know, babying it. Mint, if you're not Diana. Thyme, oregano. Um, another easy one is, what's it called? Uh, rosemary, if you have a big pot. You can just grow that in the garden. Very difficult to kill. And they're very good for the Australian climate. They're sort of Mediterranean... Um, woody plants so here they get a lot of sun they don't need too much water and they don't need particularly good soil Mm, and they are one of my desert island herb rosemary (laughs) i can't yeah i can't live without rosemary what do you use it in um potatoes (laughs) no uh potatoes well um yogurt panna cotta i have some cake bases I, i bake with it a lot actually because i like the um kind of woody um aroma it gives you can infuse things uh soups like my um vegetable soups just to i just throw it into the the herb bouquet and and take it out later so i just infuse it a bit that kind of stuff i'm growing a rosemary but i never really know what to do with it except put it on stick steak and like potatoes the, uh, if you like potatoes as a side dish you just put um, roast them in the oven and put crush some rosemary and put some sea salt and olive oil leave them I was really surprised when you said um, and I last talked to you that the bulk fillers aren't back heavy because my experience with the like the pilot 823 which is another vacuum filler and all of the Visconti vacuum fillers are that that they are quite back heavy. Yeah, and that's what uh, what endears these ones to me because I can't use or I don't like using um, piston fillers that have like um, some metal pistons because they get so back heavy. That's the that's the issue with the bigger pelicans as well. Like the the M eight hundred, I find extremely back heavy. I can't right with it comfortably and this one isn't because this is all titanium so it's a pretty light pen to begin with it's a lot lighter than it looks i have a metal grip sections which is a customization option so it has a bit of heft and it feels a bit more solid towards um well towards the nib uh but it's not back heavy I think it's it's really well balanced. So I remain torn about the Conid, but you're, I understand. you're making me a bit more convinced that I should at least try one or um, maybe ask someone to send me one so I can test it out. Maybe Alistair, who's listening to this, will lend me his <laughs> for a few weeks. Alistair, hint, hint. Do it. <laughs> Do it for the greater good. Maybe you'll convince me to buy one myself. And then I can shove an OMAS nib onto it. <laughs> yes. 